part of the matter where we do all we can to worship God in spirit and in truth. A couple things, but we'll start right off with a prayer. Lord, we are grateful for the fellowship and friendship and just your love. Grateful for the good news and uh, to be part of it. And we pray that you'll help us in ministry. Reach out to people who are seeking you uh, and, and be with us tonight. Uh, Bishop Earl and myself as we talk. In Jesus' name, amen. Couple things. Get yourself ready for our social media quinceanera, which is a celebration that Hispanic girls have at 15 years of age when they come out. Well, we're going to have our social media quinceanera. We're going to be on Facebook and Twitter and Patreon and Instagram. All kinds of things that we're setting up. New shows, new sermons. More Heart of the Matter too. Uh, uh, wrapping up this form of Heart of the Matter, and we're going to mix it up and change it, but we're not going away. That was an impetuous decision I made last week. I hadn't thought it through. We have a lot of viewers, and so we're, we're going to do this new show, October 31st, be here, but uh, Heart of the Matter is going to continue on, so just stay with us and see what happens each week. We ought to surprise you. For the next number of weeks, we're going to have guests, and I have my second guest. We had uh, Rock Waterman, and I'm really excited tonight about our guest, uh, Bishop Earl is what he is lovingly called by many people around here. He always corrects me and just says, just Earl, just Earl. But I love to continue to call him Bishop Earl. And uh, he, uh, he, let's just talk about him for a second. We have known each other over about 10 years now. And uh, XLDS, and we'll talk all about this. He's a friend. He's a brother. He's a fellow Christian. He's a fellow ex-Mormon. And he's a fellow show host. So uh, he has a lot to bring to the table and a lot of history. And he's had a lot of discussions with an unbelievable number of people who have left Mormonism, but a specific group that have left Mormonism. Bishop Earl, welcome. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show with us. Tell, uh, right off the bat, before you get into it, how many have you interviewed? It's upwards of two, 250. Two, he said it's upward of 250. It is. It is on. Am I not speaking? The ladies have been nipping at the cooking sherry tonight. The, the cage women. It's on now. It's on now. Okay, so 250, and are these all people who have come out of Mormonism into a relationship with the Lord? Yes. That's the kind of the format that we've established, you established. Mm. In other words, there are a lot of people that have left the church, and, but often they're bitter and uh, sometimes atheistic. We may talk about that. But um, no, these are people, and it, sometimes it's been immediate that they've come to Christ, and other times the Lord's found them after many years, yeah. 20, 30 years. Finally, they come to it, and um, but they've all been former Mormon at some point. Actually, I have interviewed a couple of uh, uh, key individuals who, uh, Bill McKeever, I've interviewed mm -hmm. him, and Jim Catlin, mm -hmm. some that actually were never LDS, oh. but, but work with the LDS people, and they had a perspective of, of uh, the LDS and moving to Christianity. Well, uh, my hat completely off to Bishop Burrow because he's kept this ministry going. But the thing about it is, you know, like John DeLynn, he does Mormon stories, and I love John, and, but his stuff are just often people who have just come out and just wandered off into some 
esoteric field or another, and Jesus is, but Earl has focused on the relationship with Jesus and how different it is from being active LDS to having that relationship. Right. So I salute you for keeping that going. But let's go back. Tell us about your upbringing. You gotta tell us all about it. Tripoli, e, we call him. Tripoli e Erskine. He can tell you, you why. You just learned that tonight. I know. <laughs> uh, mission, marriage, activity in the LDS Church. Hit it, brother. Okay. Well, first of all, you can go to Bishop Earl online and learn some of this stuff with more details and stuff. But in summary, I was born in the church. I was actually baptized in the tabernacle when I was eight. Uh, almost drowned because I'm afraid of water, or was afraid of water, and <laughs> almost drowned. I think they had to do it twice. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, just active. My, my mother was very active. Father, dad wasn't as active, but I lost both my parents when, when I was younger, at age 11 and 16. And uh, just, but I was fully active, a deacon, teacher, priest, and then eventually after in seminary, four-year graduate seminary, then I went on a mission to Denmark, came home a year later, married my dear wife Carla. With a K. With a K, Carla with a K in the Salt Lake Temple in 1969, and um, <clears throat> that was a great experience. We were, and we've, uh, so then, and just active, we had four children and over the years, and I served in all kinds of callings, gospel doctrine, served on a high council, eventually served, served in about four bishoprics. I was a branch president of a servicemen's branch in Germany wow. when I was in the army, and then uh, served five years as a bishop in Sandy, Utah, hmm. and then again in several bishoprics, gospel doctrine teacher a lot, and that's kind of it. So going back, the seeds, I asked you this question in that thing I sent you. Can you recall when you first started having some seeds germinate in your mind and heart about, huh? <laughs> Something's amiss. Yeah. <laughs> well, I relate it back to the 1830 Book of Mormon. President Hinckley had challenged us in, 19, in 2005 to read the Book of Mormon by the end of the year. And so I took that challenge, I read the Book of Mormon, this was like in August, or maybe it was the General Conference in April, but uh, somewhere in the summer or something, I recall, he asked us to do that. So I read through the regular Book of Mormon that I had in my quad and took, uh, uh, finished it like September, October. And so I thought, well, I'll just read it. I had this 1830 that I must have picked up in Independence, Missouri, or some trip I'd taken. And it's just the facsimile of the 1830 and noticed that there was a difference in some, it really didn't, it was kind of interesting how it struck me, but it, I eventually asked a, a, a presiding 70 something about, well, don't we call Jesus God, or is he the God of the Old Testament, and you know, had this discussion with him. That, I think, was maybe the first seed, but <laughs> the, what really happened, though, was you <laughs> and Doris Hansen. And I started watching TV and watching this guy sitting with bullhorns behind him and stuff and a howdy partner and all this and you know. Right surfed, above your head. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you know, the, the sad thing was is that I listened to you and I was, could hear myself making those phone calls. If people go back to those old archived and that, those phone calls that you would get, I could hear myself making that same, those same comments. 
uh, happened to watch one that where he, you know, the power of the Melchizedek priesthood, he yeah. <laughs> condemned you or whatever. And so I, I'm not sure I would have done that, but I can hear myself asking those same questions or challenging you on those. And then you'd give an answer that I thought was fair and, and balanced. And one of the ones that really struck me was your uh, episode 85. It's one, are they Christian? And it was kind of a, a comparing a, on a chalkboard uh, or a whiteboard, I guess, that you listed all the things and there were like five segments and things that you could give to the Mormons, you know, things that you'd, okay, well, this, we'll give you that and we'll give you this. And I think we might talk about that some more later. But anyway, so listening to those and I wasn't sharing this with Carla. What happened, I, 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 but I would watch your, your 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning. So I'd watch it on Tuesday night and then I'd watch the one from the week before on Tuesday, mo uh, Tuesday morning all unbeknownst to her. And at this point I had retired. And so I um, just listened to those messages. And I guess, again, you always were praying and you were giving your uh, God all the credit. And you were telling us to, if we've got a question, go look at the Bible. And still it was, I couldn't believe that the church wasn't true. But, and then in addition to that, I read Grant Palmer's book, mm. uh, An Insider's View of Mormon Origins. I read B.H. Roberts' book, The Stud Studies of the Book of Mormon. Mm. So I was, and he, here, you know, Grant Palmer, of course, was an uh, institute director. Mm -hmm. So I felt like that's comfortable. I'm not reading anti-Mormon literature. This is a, mm -hmm. you know, a good high priest guy, kind of a guy. And B.H. Roberts, well-known historian, and 70 of the church. So, and here they started raising qu more questions again about the Book of Mormon. So there were, I knew these changes in the Book of Mormon and, um, it just, what led me from there was the, that, okay, Joseph Smith made these changes in the Book of Mormon. What did he really think about God or Jesus mm. early on? Mm. So then that led me to the first vision. And then I find out that there's many ver first vision versions. And the first one that he ever does is in his own handwriting in 1832. And he only talks about one, one person, one God. Well, that led me on to the lectures of faith, number five, and that showed me that God's a spirit and that Jesus is in the bosom of the Father. Mm -hmm. Sounded very Trinitarian that way. Or, and so that led me to that. And by the time I got through with that, I started thinking, so that kind of, kind of build on or snowballed. I went to a church historian and asked him about that. Mm -hmm. I asked him actually three questions, I guess we're at this point, but I asked him three things, the changes in the Book of Mormon, the different versions of the first vision, and the, and the Book of Abraham. What were, what's wrong here? Um, and he didn't have any answers, this church historian. He said, well, we know of these things, and he just, anything just seemed to be a stretched explanation. Mm. Really wasn't anything that helped me. We also had a friend who had I'd been his bishop, and he was an institute director. Uh, and he came to the house, actually, three weeks in a row and covered those three things. Wow. And still, Carla and I sat there listening to him, and I'm th we're thinking, this just, there's, no, there's no real answer here. Mm. Yeah, the changes in the Book of Mormon, why? And it's just, well, <laughs> anyway, there was no real answers. Mm. So that finally led me to... And I could back up just a little bit because during this study process of going through these books, I did eventually read uh, Von Brody's book and some other books and 
finally came to the conclusion that there was something wrong. Mm. That I, and, and so I was really miserable uh, around Christmas time in 2010, and Carla and the family noticed that I was kind of not myself, my normal cheery self <laughs> or something. But really consider I'd been 65 years in the church and devoted money and time and talent, whatever I have, just putting forth that effort into the church. And then to start thinking, wow, maybe there's something wrong here. Or, or at least there's a lot of stuff out here that I've never heard of. And that's probably was shocking. And I guess that's happened to many people. I know it has. And so, it, and, but there were no answers. It wasn't like I ever clomped on anything that really said, okay, you, you're really making a mistake here. Go back and, and you'll find your way mm. better. So anyway, finally Carla cornered me. And by then I had this long list of things that just didn't, you know, beyond the three there that uh, just other things that kept striking. And finally I just uh, told her, and it was really the first time I'd verbalized it. Mm. You ever do that where you just think of something and you're pondering and thinking, it really isn't part of me mm. until I say it out loud. Mm. And so I finally was saying to her, I don't think Joseph Smith's a prophet. And it just shocked me to say it, but there it was and it was out. and. Yes. And there was never anything that came along that said, Earl, you're wrong. Mm. Uh, you know, and then I started learning about polyandry, uh, masonry in the temple. All those things kind of came later mm. and more shocking. For those of you who are at home, uh, really important testimony witness here, and for a couple reasons. One, obviously Bishop Earl is well-read. He investigated and he wasn't getting any satisfactory answers. That's really important. If you're getting satisfactory answers, then that's one thing. But if you really ask and you ask someone who knows and they can't supply you with it, then you, that might be a step. The second thing I wanna point out before we go on with uh, Earl is there's kind of a continuum in my mind of courage. When you're young and you leave Mormonism as a teen because you're rebellious, you know, there, it doesn't take that much courage, maybe sometimes. You've been on a mission, takes a little more. Been married in the temple, takes a little more. When you start getting up in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and you've been LDS all that time, and you choose to come out, and there's a few people, there's a few couples who are in their 40s, 50s, up in there who have left, that is really courageous. And so my hat's off to you and Carla, because it's not typical. Most people say, no, 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 we don't really care. We got another couple, Ray and uh, his wife. Old, they're older than we are by far. They're another courageous couple. They're late and all their kids have been in. But listen to Earl and what he's having to say, you guys, because uh, fascinating. So quickly, ward members, family, everybody, the general response was? Like I'd moved. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm a non, what do you call it? Non plus, non, yeah, non, non sequitur? Yeah, no, something. Persona non, non grata. Non persona non grata, that's it. Yeah, I just uh, had one lady that bore her testimony to me because she'd been to Central America and knew that the Book of Mormon was true. <laughs> and I that's said, right. you know, uh, oh, sweetheart, you know, and I love these people. Yeah. I, I did want to say that I love Mormons. Mm -hmm. They really are dedicated I mean if I had to choose a group of people that were actually you yeah. know in my life I mean, they're just wonderful people yeah. and I felt like I was a good Mormon I always stood up I never drank uh, I never did any of the you know the coffee tea and all that stuff I lived that 
impeccably, actually, my whole life until a year ago. You're still living impeccably. No, until I turned 70, finally. We're going to talk about his (laughs) 70th birthday in a while. Okay. Uh, This was a landmark event in his life. So, uh, now I'm lost. But anyway, I love the Mormons. And it's just... It's just the gospel. It's, as I say at the end of my show sometimes, it's the gospel of Joseph Smith. He's added stuff that was never biblical. It should never have been there. Mm. He knew it, Mm. and yet he continued doing it. It became his gospel Mm. and not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to add to that, what's interesting is when I was leaving Mormonism and finding these problems, I didn't know I didn't know Jesus. I, I, in fact, that wasn't even part of my coming out. Now, I know some people have said that, they, that their relationship with Jesus was always strong and good. I had a Mormon Jesus mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the little errand boy in the temple. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the end of my prayers, but he was never my focus. My family was my focus. My church was my focus. My getting to the celestial kingdom was my focus. And one of, the inter- one of the phone calls that I looked back on some of your archives in the last few days preparing for this, but, but there was a guy that, that actually admitted that, uh, or how do you get to the celestial kingdom? And he goes through this long list of things. And at the very end you say, now was that all? Is there anything else that you can think of? And then finally you say, uh, you know, he never mentioned Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's been a, a wonderful revelation to me to come to know who who Jesus is, and, and that I can trust the Bible. Praise God. In uh, August of 2011, uh, Bishop Earl and his wife Carla and I, we went to the illustrious restaurant of Burger King, <laughs> and we sat down. They had something they wanted to tell me. What was that? And tell the story. Let me back up just a second. I'm gonna, we're going to run out of time. <laughs> he's actually. his own host. He's, just, he's running this thing. Well, no, I, I just was thinking it's, uh, I didn't think I'd have enough to talk about. And gosh, there's so much. Um, when we came, uh, Carla and I decided that we would come to your uh, University of Utah. We'd been listening to that on Heart of, the, Heart of the Matter. We thought, well, let's go up and check out. So we general conference weekend in 2011. Mm. Uh, we went up there, and we come to the uh, to your thing, your uh, Bible study. Whatever thing it was. Whatever thing it was, and we end up crying because we're learning such unbelievable things that I'd never heard before. Mm. Somebody put these new scriptures in the Bible, I know. <laughs> but we were so impressed. Sean put his arms around us when we went down to introduce ourselves, and he prayed with us. I'd never had anybody pray with me, mm-hmm. over me, to me. Mm-hmm. And we were so impressed with that. And uh, anyway, that was a big moment in our time. But that was in April. We quit going in May, uh, Mother's Day, May. And then in August, I still had my current temple recommend that didn't expire till the next May or something. So I go to you and I said, well, you know, Sean, I do have a temple recommend. I've been a bishop. If you want me to share my story a little bit, I'd be happy to do that. And, and I thought you were going to say, well, yeah, maybe in March or April or something. And you said, well, how about next week? <laughs> so <laughs> that was Car- great. It was a great moment because of his face. Uh, yeah. So Carla and I and my kids, and we just started hammering out this 17. What turned well, it was started out about, you said I could give you six minutes yeah. or so. And so the next day or so, I'd call and say, you know, it's up to eight minutes. Now it's up to 10. 
So it finally got to 17 minutes. I we cut it short. But anyway, that's Seven. and after that episode, you started calling me Bishop Earl, which is where I got the Bishop Earl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the 17 minutes, by the way, uh, we still get emails and I still have conversations with people who will call and they'll say, hi, Sean, watch your shows of this. And, and I've watched uh, Bishop Earl's interviews and I watched the 17 minutes. They refer to it as the 17 minutes. It's like yeah. the 95 thesis. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really made an impact on people how you did that. And the thing was, had you had any experience in television? Oh, no. Have no. you ever done it? He never did it. He just, and he didn't have any direction from anybody. He literally just got there and did it. it well, really I kept good. saying to you, well, don't you want to read this? Or don't you want to hear what I have to say? No, no. And I, you said, no, no, we're fine. And I say, well, I, I really appreciate you trusting me. And you said, no, I don't trust you. I trust God. <laughs> and, you know, but I think once you know that someone's come out, I would do the same now to somebody else yeah. that I know. Because they say they're saying the words that you know that they've yeah. they've had a now I didn't have a slap in the face born again moment I still haven't but I've had a lot of little ones and I'm a new creature Praise and that's God. that's the the message that I would give to you know if people are waiting for that moment maybe it won't happen but uh, and maybe it will but I was never broken mm -hmm. I didn't feel you know I was never dropped on my knees kind of God I you've got to come into my life and save me here I didn't have that but I definitely am a new creature and I see everything so differently such an important admission here by Earl that we all receive the Holy Spirit and respond in different ways and God give, gives the measure of it to us according you know and like he's saying here he lived a I mean he's lived a good life he wasn't a partier, he wasn't the wild adulterer, he wasn't the drug user, he didn't need the big slap like some of us need to really know Jesus, but he's had that awakening incrementally over the course of his life, and that's just as valuable as someone who's had the wild uh, awakening that some of us need. So I, I hope so. <laughs> so glad you brought that up. So 17 uh, minutes, and then after that, we decided that uh, you should do the ex-Mormon files. So yeah, it was in, in November or so of 2011, and you, you said, you know, I've interviewed a few people, and I've thought of doing that. Uh, would that be something you'd be interested in? And so we started interviewing, and it was called the X-Files then, mm -hmm. and then eventually ex-Mormon files. So uh, yeah, and that's... And that can be seen, xmormonfiles.com. Can we do the graphics, ladies? And you can also see Bishop Earl on Roku uh, TV. We also put up his phone number there. This is a, a private phone number. If you want to call and talk to him about being on his program or talk to him about coming out of Mormonism or the Lord, that number 385-220-5111. And you can always type in Bishop Earl, just Bishop Earl in Google and 43 million hits come up. Oh. Pictures of him too. Uh, I don't know, 43 million. Yeah, I but don't think that. That I may know. be an exaggeration. Elaine Hefner was your first guest. She was. Elaine I Hefner. I just love Elaine. And just lost her daughter to cancer. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah so. But how the cycle of life, you know? Yeah. And, and that was the first one you did. Yeah. You know, I have to tell you, talking to you up here like this, you've changed. <laughs> yeah. You've really changed. You, you're, you're very uh, articulate and fluid in your uh, uh, com conversational skills. Not that you weren't before, but now you really do express yourself in ways that 
Kind of surprised me. Oh. Yeah, I, yeah. It's God well, working I, and growing in us. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, we were laughing before, earlier just how, how much we forget. Yeah. And I have to write stuff down. I got all kinds of notes, and I'm just kind of paranoid that way. But yeah, yeah. it's. But I, I, yeah, I have a heart for the Lord. That's for sure. Do you find a common thread between your guests that? People who have left Mormonism come to know the Lord. Has any common thread or commonality uh, popped up in your head? Yeah, um, as you mentioned, there's different ways that they come to the Lord, but I think uh, the common things, probably one thing is for sure is that they know more about Mormonism now as a ex-Mormon than they ever did as a Mormon. Wow. That's very common. They all have a greater love for the Bible, mm. with just almost without exception. Mm. They didn't trust the Bible before. Now they trust it, love it. It's their guide. Mm. Um, they have a great love for Jesus mm. that they didn't have before. And uh, you say that that way, and, and yet as Mormons we would say, well, yeah, I love Jesus. I mean, he's my savior, and he did all this in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know. But really. And, and then the, add to that, the cross has taken on a whole new impetus for me, wherever that is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, and so, so I think that's common for everybody. The cross is take, takes on a greater importance. The Bible, uh, grace, they understand grace and how they're saved. They're not going to do a to-do list to get to heaven. Mm -hmm. They know that Jesus paid for the, our sins. and. Uh, so those are some of the common. Anybody in our audience here uh, or at home who have been LDS or of another faith that didn't preach Jesus, uh, that you know, and now you know him, know the difference. But when you're LDS, you don't know the difference. You, you, you really don't. He isn't our focus. No. The focus is on the family, mm. on the church, on doing what you need to do to get to the celestial kingdom. Mm -hmm. The temple's important. Family's really important. And, you know, and, and you've kind of touched on this in some of your lessons, is that thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yeah. And we do put a lot of other gods before Jesus. Yeah. So well said, my brother. Uh, have you had any aha moments? It's uh, one of the questions here in your interviews where you have said, you know, I, I, I've never thought of that. Sometimes that happens yeah. when you have a guest. Has that occurred? The biggest one, and I kind of thought through this, and I've actually learned a lot from these people, but one of the biggest ones was, and I think you may have even touched on this too, but the difference between a shepherd and a sheep herder. Mm. Had a guy that really knew cattle and knew sheep, and he just pointed out the differences between a sheep herder, somebody just pushing them along and driving them and stuff, and then the shepherd who loves them cares for them, nurtures them, they know his voice, and they follow him wherever he goes. Wow. And anybody else that's out there calling or screaming or driving, they don't follow him. Wow. So, you know, Jesus is our shepherd and we follow him because hopefully we know his voice and we have his voice in, in the Bible. I pray that people will watch this uh, interview tonight. These things are really uh, golden moments for if you have LDS friends or if you're LDS, but if you have LDS friends or family and they think they know Jesus, just listen to what Bishop Earl is having to say here. This is, he's just coming from his heart and rings so true. You've traveled and visited a number of churches and um, 
spoken at different churches with your wife sometimes. And through the eyes of uh, a former Latter-day Saint, uh, what do you see? What do you observe? And, and good or bad? What do you, if you were LDS and walked into one of these churches knowing what the culture is, what are you kind of seeing? Well, first of all, and I guess the first church was um, up in Brigham City, Aldersgate, I think it's called. Yeah, I've heard of that. And they had a cross in the building. Mm. And my heart was pounding. It was so uncomfortable to be that close to, I mean, to have this cross sitting there. Wow. And uh, I remember the same thing. We went to, I think, Good Shepherd on 9th East, 7th East. Mm. We went in there for, it might have been Derek's wit. Anyway, it, it, just this cross uh, initially was shocking. When we went to your uh, class up at the University of Utah, there was no cross. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. we, didn't, uh, we didn't have a cross. And so the first couple of times, my heart's just, it's kind of like, oh, you know, this is mm. interesting. This is a different feeling. I'm looking at this cross and you know, I'm not really sure, sure how to relate to it, huh. you know. And then uh, and that was, we had been invited to a baptism and that, they had tissues on the, on the pews, <laughs> pews whatever, benches. And I'm thinking, what, what are all these for, you know? And, Honestly, we ended up using them. I mean, mm. it's just the music, the the worship, mm. the stories that they shared before the baptisms and mm -hmm. stuff. It it was tremendous. So, oh, what else? And the music. We mm. we enjoy the worship. Mm -hmm. I'm not really a hand raiser. Carla mm -hmm. likes to, mm -hmm. but um, notice that the hand raising, and maybe just to even explain, and if it's in in this context, but. As a Mormon, I thought it was a wonderful thing that we changed leadership and teachers all the time. Mm. I thought that was there was some value to that and certainly good for our education and growing up. But now I've appreciated having watched you, Jim Catlin, mm. Terry Long, mm. these people that can stand up and deliver messages that are trained or, or at least put forth their effort in, in teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's miraculous. You know, and, and people have a gift mm -hmm. for that, and, and they tend to draw, draw to that. I don't have that gift. Mm -hmm. I've tried a couple of times at Jim Catlin's church, and I, you know, I don't think I will be invited back. I, don't, I shouldn't say that, but I mean, I love him, but I, I, just th I just don't have, that's not my gift, I don't think. It's such a good observation because in the body, if your gift is to uh, you know, clean toilets, and, you, and that's what you're really good at, you do it and it's just as valuable as the person who is gifted with the teaching. With the teaching. But in the Mormon church, the, the benefit is you, your children yes. and, the, and the other members and the priesthood learn to speak publicly and learn to administrate yeah. and learn to do things. But it doesn't matter if they have the gift or not, it's for them to grow, not for the body true. to necessarily yeah, grow. Yeah, we start with two and a half minute talks when I was you, little and you teach right. and missionary and everything else, yeah. yeah. You just learn to, to talk. Uh, again, Bishop Earl, exmormonfiles.com. You can also look him up on Roku and we'll put his phone number up. Uh, you and Carla hang with uh, some groups that have have outreaches, ministries to the LDS. Is there a general consensus uh, among those uh, who reach out uh, to LDS people? Do they see it crumbling? Is there a mass exodus, a hemorrhaging going on? 
Well, I'm not. I ask you because I don't have any contact. Yeah, with I don't. Anyone. I don't have any context either or, or inside information on that. Yeah. Other than uh, Sandra Tanner, that we know very well, she she told me, and I phoned her and confirmed this not today, but uh, a few months ago. Uh, she told me that she was getting one to two people coming out every month. Mm -hmm. Now she's getting four or five a week. Yeah. That's talking to her, telling her their story, and and I don't know how they're finding her always, mm -hmm. but they're finding her and talking to her and and uh, sometimes it's one and two at a time you know yeah. people that are coming out so I don't know how how you define hemorrhaging well I yeah. define it that way but I do think there's something and I think you've contributed to that I think mm -hmm. Doris Hansen and mm -hmm. uh, even Jason Wallace probably and and then maybe our show and mm -hmm. Dave Bartosowitz has done stuff and mm -hmm. Warren and I mean just others just giving out messages and Eventually, people listen to some of that stuff. They do. Yeah, they do. And uh, such a, uh, another great point here is uh, these numbers that he's hearing from Sandra and and the people Warren talked to or I talked to, they are just representative of a very small percentage. We don't know the amount that have heard and are hearing. And and I've heard uh, from different parts of the country that very large groups are coming out of entire wards, are coming out of stakes. So what does that mean? It's incumbent upon those of you who are Christian to treat them with kid gloves, bring them in, give them grace, help them understand the culture, help them understand who the real Jesus is. Don't freak out about some of their weird thoughts and stuff. It takes a while. And uh, really, really good. Uh, I, I do have one little anecdote. Do it. I had a, a lady tell me that she was looking up Bisquick in the in the dictionary online hmm. typed in BIS and of course you get the, all these prompt pop-ups mm -hmm. that tell you what other things you could look at if you weren't looking up Bisquick you could BIS and she found Bishop BIS Bishop Earl Wow and came out of the church yeah <laughs> the Lord works so you never know you know Bishop Earl, of all the things you've seen and heard over the past eight years, what liberties do you, would you, give to a Latter-day Saint person, even if you disagree with a doctrinal or a practical position of a Latter-day Saint, would you give an LDS relative to doctrine and practice? What are the absolute non-negotiables in your mind, and what things, in, just from your perspective, would you tell a, somebody, whatever? Well, first of all, I like your episode 85. <laughs> that would be my Steal answer. It. Go right. to 85, look at that. It's fair, it's honest, it's, uh, it's balanced. In other words, you're giving, you're giving people the Book of Mormon, as I recall. You gave them the three degrees of glory if they want to believe in a pre-existence, if they want to be married for time and all eternity. Those are weird, but then Christians do some weird things too. Right. So the non-negotiables, of course, is grace and Jesus and the cross and those non-negotiable. Yeah. That was back in 2007. They, you think I've become heretical over time. I've always been that. Whatever you want, whatever you want to have, but there are some things that you're really messed up on. Yeah. And those things are life changers. You yeah. really need to understand that. Yeah. What advice do you have for the following people types, uh, uh, Earl? Present day active LDS. What would you say, here's your shot. 
Well, I think at this point they ought to read the essays, the gospel topic essays mm -hmm. at lds.org. And, uh, and if that doesn't trigger their interest, then I think they could go ahead and read Insider's View of Mormon Origins, mm -hmm. written by an institute director. They should read Studies of the Book of Mormon by B.H. Roberts. Mm. Um, those things are, are there. I, I don't, the thing that bothers me most about the, the brethren is that they're trying to tell them, in a, in a, without saying the words, don't look anywhere. Let, let us do the looking. You just kind of follow along. It's kind of that old phrase, we'll, we'll do the, the thinking for you. Mm -hmm. um, and really, it's just the opposite of what they should be doing. And, and that should be in, to investigate everything yeah. and hold fast to the good and, and try to learn all they can. Mm -hmm. Which is so, biblical. Which is biblical, yeah. yes. I, I do think that there are, Mormons have kind of a shallow knowledge base. And I think once we, when we try to talk to a Mormon, it becomes quickly evident to them that we know kind of more what we're talking about. They're, they're based on feelings. They have kind of a shallow, very shallow knowledge of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Little more knowledge about their Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. But even the Book of Mormon, and I, I did have this in, in here somewhere about uh, what's not in the Book of Mormon, mm. you know, the LDS gospel that's not in the Book of Mormon. There's no three degrees of glory or God was once a man or there's just a whole list. There's no Aaronic priesthood in there. There's no uh, marriage for time and all eternity. It's against polygamy. Mm. There's only one God. Mm. In Alma 11, it talks about, is there more than one God? No. Mm. You know, so they need to kind of read with open eyes and be willing to look and and go beyond that shallow, basic, limited understanding they have of even their own doctrine and scriptures. And the church, I know, is kind of buried Mormon doctrine. It's buried Journal of Discourses, kind of. I mean, mm -hmm. they're just not readily available mm -hmm. because it's so disruptive to, to what people are learning. When they look on the internet under masonry in the temple and they find out all those handshakes and signs of death and all that stuff's in in masonry and that Joseph just took it and adapted it to temple work and I've noticed over the course of the 11 years that uh, our our ministry for example we kind of reached a lot of people who were uh, just trying to get out and maybe a lot of them weren't living the commandments of the LDS church maybe a lot of them were drinkers or smokers or had problems with the law of chastity and when they'd see our show we would reach a lot of them and bring Jesus to some of them and that was a great blessing but as time has gone on I've seen more and more stalwarts who are starting to come out people who they haven't had the problems outward problems at least that a lot of the group that we reached and and so did you notice that that Earl recommended a, a, a CES uh, seminary teacher's book that he used B.H. Roberts, who's LDS, that he, the first thing he recommended was uh, the letters. The, the gospel topics. The gospel topics. Called, called the essays. Uh -huh. You can use the LDS's own information now. You don't need to go to the, to the stuff that's really, go to the own information and that strikes true to the heart of an active, faithful, uh, worthy LDS member. I've asked a number of people, because I'll see people at the gas station or at the store, and I've, you're LDS, is it right? Have you heard of the, uh, the gospel essays? Uh -huh. 
Now, if they say yes, and I ask them, have you read them? But almost always I get, no, I haven't read them. Huh. Fascinating. So they're even, they're, it's out there now. And the church can go ahead and say in, a, in many years from now or right now, oh, we've always talked about that yeah, stuff. We always, people used to get excommunicated for some of the stuff that's in those essays, yeah. admitting that Joseph married other men's wives and so on. Yeah. Um, to come out and say that a few years ago uh, to a bishop or a stake president would have put you in a court. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're wily. That's, that's yeah. how I would put it. Uh, advice to those who have uh, on their way out, those who have left for atheism. I know, that's a tough one. Um, a lot of them. A lot of them. And, you know, I guess I face that momentarily. I mean, once you get burned once, I kind of, I know this sounds strange, but I kind of hung on to the idea that Joseph Smith was actually a God-believing person mm. before 1820. Mm. And for some reason that, I kind of held on to that. And then since then, I've, I've learned more about obviously God and I, I see nature and I see God's handiwork and things. And so I was able to hang on to that. And I'm so grateful for that because I do know a lot of people who have left or I know of them that, that they've left and they've just given up yeah. on religion. You talked about the freedom, some not being able to keep the commandments. Mm -hmm. This justifies that, that practice, you know, okay, I'm, I'm just free. Yeah. But they, they're not adhering to anything. They don't, even though they, and that, the problem is, is that they never had Jesus as their foundation. Yeah. The foundation was the church. At eight years old, you get baptized into the church. When you're a missionary, you're converting people to the church. You're not converting them to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So there's no Jesus foundation. So when they find out the church isn't true, there's nothing to fall back on. Amen. Yeah, that, that stumbling block is crushes them. Speaking of liberty in Christ, this is just a fun little segue. Take it for what it's worth, but tell us about your 70th birthday. We just have to hear what, what transpired quickly on that day. This is fascinating to me. Before I do that, let's, let's throw up the two pictures, if you two would. Two pictures. Mary, just one, the first one, I threw these at Mary. Uh, appreciate her showing these. Um, have you got them? They're coming up. It's not the one in the nude, is it? No. Okay. No, no, no. Oh, the the the, the graphics telephone's the blocking it oh, off. There we go. There we go. Tell us about that. There I am. You know, this is all I have, and Jesus says that's all I want, and and I think that explains grace so well. I, I, you can't add anything. He doesn't want anything else. He wants my heart. Yeah. He wants my love, and he wants me to love my fellow man. And uh, so that's that's beautiful. That one. That's Next my, one. That's my screensaver. It says another mentally diseased apostate. <laughs> so here's, and this is the way I think most Mormons probably don't know it, but they are in a cage. And there I am, or someone is out flying out the window, free, trusting in God, grace. I'm saved by grace, the shed blood of Jesus, and I'm not tied into Anyway, that's it. I love that, and I love the bird is colored, the rest yeah, of the Yeah, a little bird. blue bird, yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, just real quickly, I had waited for um, um, five years. When I came out, I was 65. And I was waiting for my sons, my two active sons in the church, to come out 
so that I could break the word of wisdom with them. I'd never broken the word of wisdom. Never had a taste of alcohol. Wow. So on my 70th birthday, I, I was actually in a Phoenix, uh, well, I, this is when I told them, I was in the Phoenix and they have alcohol in, those, in their fries and their grocery stores. And I said, you know, I've been waiting for you guys to kind of see things differently here and I can't wait any longer. I'm 70, <laughs> I'll be 70 this year. I can't wait any longer. So, so I took my other son, who's <coughs> more on my side here, <laughs> went over to the liquor store and we bought a few dozen, <laughs> not dozen, but a few bottles. And I celebrated on my 70th birthday. He celebrated so. his 70th birthday. Yay, finally, we, we clapped finally, for his liberty. Finally broke the word of wisdom. He finally broke the, he's still scalling and it. I, and I had this heartbeat again, you know, just like looking at the cross the first time. I just, yeah. okay, this is, this is different for Earl. Yeah, yeah. different. Well, I knew Earl when he first came out and we'd have discussions. And I, I remember several times, you may not recall this, but he was very standoffish toward uh, Word of Wisdom breakers. Uh, there, there was a certain slight air of, no, that will, that's, yeah. and that's fine. We ha you have that liberty to obey and not drink. It's probably good for most of us. But for those who then can see that, that just like that picture, Jesus wants the heart. What goes into the mouth isn't what defiles a man. It's what comes out. Yeah. So you have to tell us what's your favorite uh, tasting liqueur as of? Jägermeister. Oh my goodness. <laughs> He's hardcore. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, my friend. Okay. Um, you and I have discussed some variables out there in the Christian faith. Some believe there are no variables at all. Others, and we have two calls that we'll get to really quickly. Uh, this is the last thing. Um, you've mentioned how you explain to people that think you should be dogmatic this way or you shouldn't come to campus because I'm so liberal or whatever it is, <laughs> that you tell people, I'm still learning. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that for people who have come out and just about being set on things instantly. Well, real quickly, um, Sean has been challenging over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, preterism, uh, modalism, <laughs> uh, universalism, no, not universalism, but right. uh, that, that concept. But I think what happens is people aren't really listening to what you're saying. Yeah. And I think that the, the thing that I'm asked all the time, what do you think about preterism? What do you think about Sean? What do you think about this or that? And I, my answer is I'm still learning. I don't know about creation. I don't know about the flood. I don't know about, uh, there's a lot of things I just don't know about. And I, I feel like I'm still in a learning mode. Mm -hmm. Even though it's been six years and I probably should be now focusing in a little bit more, but I'm really pretty much milk uh, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And just uh, feeling my way along. Christianity's tough. You have to think mm -hmm. out here. And I didn't have to do that as a Mormon. Mm -hmm. I could walk anywhere in the world and just be automatic b bishop type thing, you know, and, and uh, I didn't need to know anything. I just knew the basics of, the, of Mormonism. And as Christians, you need, to, you need to be able to evaluate and differentiate between the different voices that are out there, guys asking for money, guys, uh, you know, just, it's just different. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot of thoughts. There's been 2,000 years worth of thoughts out there, yeah. and I just don't know. Yeah. Really uh, mature way, my brother. We have three calls. We're going to skip the spot. 
tonight. We're going to go right to the call. We're going to go to Gary in Pennsylvania, Dylan in New Orleans, and Mark in Canada in that order. Gary in Pennsylvania, you're on with Bishop Earl and Sean. How you doing, guys? I've been wanting to make this phone call for a long time. <laughs> awesome. So anyhow, uh, love both of you guys. Been friends with Sean for uh, quite a while. Went out with uh, you, uh, Earl, and your wife. A wonderful uh, evening of uh, chit chat. And uh, you know, Sean, you've been under uh, under the gun from a lot of detractors over the years and other fellow Christians and. Um, you know, I think that there's a common theme I heard tonight, and we're talking about uh, us as being sheep. And, uh, you know, one common theme that I have uh, seen from both of you guys is that uh, both of you thirst for, for truth. And it, it really takes, actually, obviously, an act of God for that to happen. But uh, it, it's really uh, something that all of us, can learn from is that it can be very scary no matter where we are in life whether we're a seasoned christian <laughs> supposed seasoned christian or or lds or whomever you may be uh, if you think that you all have it all nailed down you might want to check <laughs> yourself yeah. uh, because there's a lot that we all have to learn and you guys have been very courageous with that thanks gary thanks so much gary we love you all right guys thanks bye. for calling in bye-bye we're going to Dylan in New Orleans. Dylan, you're on with Bishop Earl and Sean. Dylan? Hey, hey what's up, Sean? What up, brother? Oh, wait, wait. One second, I have to pause the video on my phone. Just okay. One second, okay? All right. Because it's... So you don't have to deal with this, dude. Okay, Sean, are okay, you there? Yes, you're here with Bishop Earl. Dylan, how you doing? Hey, cool. Hey, I want to tell you, man, you look great for 70, I have to say. <laughs> you look awesome. But, uh, but anyway, so I'm actually, I'm an active LDS member. Well, yeah, I was actually, I was at this, uh, this fellowship two years ago, and uh, I just got my, my, uh, my priesthood restrictions lifted, you know. But, you know, I had, a, I had a meeting with my bishop that it just really, I, I don't know, it, it was just, uh, it just really left me feeling... I conflicted. I felt uh, he was just talking about uh, about like about like exaltation and 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 becoming a god. I, I just uh, I'm just having a hard time, like you know, like understanding that. <laughs> just I, I just I just I'm, yeah, I'm having a, like a hard time. I'm, so I'm kind of nervous right now. It's my first time calling on the show, so you're doing I'm fine. Nervous, so you're doing me. good. <laughs> I'm just yeah, kind of doubting my faith a little bit here. Uh, I love your show, by the way, Sean. Thanks, Dylan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put uh, Bishop Earl on the spot and see what uh, wisdom he has for you in this situation. Huh. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I would say that um, he's gone to the bishop. He's got his priesthood restored. Uh, and now he's questioning the priesthood or just the the fact that the bishop thinks he can become a god that kind of stuff yeah yeah i just keep studying i just keep looking uh, read read what you can go to the internet and look up things go to the gospel i mean but that's just it's it's i mean to me that just it seems like like 
like if we can become a god, right? It's like if our, if our whole purpose on this earth is to, you know, like obey the commandments, you know, go to the temple, receive our endowments, uh, you know, do the yeah. the, 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 the sacred ordinances. It just it seems to me that that's reducing God to like like a human status. Like if we can be like him, like it just it just doesn't make sense to me, and well, I just feel like it just. I, I just can't. I, I just don't understand the whole. I think Dylan of becoming a god. I just, Dylan, I just that's can't wrap my head around it. Sorry, Dylan. That's one of the things I think that you learn as you come out of Mormonism is that it is about the God, a God, an awesome God, who's not a former man who was a sinful man on some other planet. He's always been God, and we're not going to become a god. We're His creations, and. Uh, that's something you kind of need to realize is, or at least it, it impacted me when I finally came to realize that I wasn't in charge, that there was a God and I, I could worship him and I didn't have to, and I wasn't working my way to, south, to uh, exaltation and the celestial kingdom. That, that had been done through Jesus' shed blood. Amen. Dylan. Right, right. thank you so much, I hey, appreciate it. Hey Dylan, wait. Uh, can we pray with you really quickly? Yeah, yes, sir. That, that'd be great. I, I would love that. I, right. I would really love that. Yeah. All right, Bishop Earl and the people in our audience, I can see some praying for you ever since you called in, and we're going to just join really quickly in prayer. Lord, we lift our brother up, and we know he has a heart for you. He is uh, having your spirit touch him, and we pray that he will go directly to you, Lord and he will pour out his mind and his heart to you, and that you will give him eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that feels that he may be converted to you, not through men, not through me, not through Earl, not through his bishop, not through anything but you and your spirit, and that you will let him know of your presence. We pray that Dylan will be given new life, that he will be able to rest in you and your grace, and he'll be able to make wise decisions on how to proceed forward with his membership in the LDS Church. He's not under compulsion. He's not under any direct order from us. He can just go and do what he believes he should do, but Lord, guide him and bless him. We pray you'll give him all these things and he'll know you are there leading him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, amen. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Love you. Keep Have going. Okay, you too. Love you too, man. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Ryan in Pittsburgh. Ryan, you're on Heart of the Matter with Bishop Earl and Sean. Hey, Sean, how are you? Hey, good, how you doing? I'm doing good. Can I speak to Bishop Earl? Yes, here he is. Hello. Okay. Hi, Bishop Earl, how are you? Hi, good. Okay, I hope that you remember me. I talked with you like one or two times. I'm from Virginia, my name is Ryan. Yeah, you're from Virginia. Yeah, we've got yeah, you down as Pittsburgh, okay. but yeah. Hi, thanks, Same thanks to all of you guys. Like, I'm no longer active in the LDS church, and I'm just uh, totally cut off from there, and uh, that is not a biblical church, so pray to God and thank all of you guys. Bishop, uh, I have just only one question for you. I mean, you have been in active, you, uh, I mean, you were active in the LDS church for a long time in your life. I mean, what do you think the biggest problem in the LDS church, like, um, from every perspective, like from the theological, the biblical, and also from the practical point of view? Like, what do you think is the biggest problem in the LDS Church? Uh, biggest problem in the, in the LDS Church is not focusing on Jesus. 
He's a he's at the end of the preposition, the church of Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus Christ. It, they just don't focus on Jesus and what he did. The third article of faith, we believe that through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved. I think it should end there. And uh, okay. if they did that, drop the rest of that third article of faith, that would be a step in the right direction. Okay. Awesome. Okay, so that's, a, that's the biggest problem, you think? It is, and the fact that they aren't willing to look and study. Mm -hmm. Nobody, I've asked so many people about the papyrus, the facsimiles ah. of the book of Abraham. Nobody's okay. ever heard of that in the church. Mm -hmm. They don't know anything okay. about that. They, they, they disregard any changes in the Book of Mormon because of some flimsy kind of explanation. And uh, mm -hmm. they, they just aren't, most of the, a lot of the people I've interviewed, uh, inter attorneys and, and detectives uh -huh. and critical thinkers, um, okay. have understood more about Mormonism and, and it's drawn them out because they've done some critical thinking. Mm -hmm. Ryan, we really appreciate your call. Okay, thank you, Sean. Take God care. bless my brother. Bye-bye. Okay, God bless. Okay, we are going to, uh, how much time do we have? Three okay. minutes. Bishop Earl, uh, before we go to you, uh, Heart of the Matter is going to be continuing. Next week, we have Warren Puckett from Breaking Bread. It's a burgeoning ministry. It's a video ministry. It's going to grow with his preaching of unadulterated just love for Jesus. Uh, former LDS, he and his wife, Suzanne, and but he's got a heart for the Lord. So we're going to be have the privilege of interviewing uh, Brother Warren next week. Uh, we're going to mix things up, keep looking. We are ramping things up. We are getting involved in what I have neglected. And last week, changing that up, forgive my lack of foresight and uh, my insensitivity to fans' needs and the growing uh, electronic social media world. But that said, we're launching that whole new program on October 31st of this year. Look forward to that. Look forward to continued Heart of the Matter episodes. And, uh, and, and campus, and look for us on, um, on social media. Bishop Earl, concluding thoughts to the audience. I think the most important thing they can do is to read the Bible, to put their trust in Jesus and his work that he did on the cross. Uh, the, the New Testament has many scriptures about the cross, nothing about the Garden of Gethsemane, so I just think this, that if we can trust in Jesus and, uh, and what he did for us that we couldn't do for ourselves, give our heart to him and love our fellow man and, and love God. From a former bishop's mouth, now a Christian to your ear, we'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out I'm going This man's awake A storm's arising The dawn's awaiting Till a hundred monkeys know 
Sun.